Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that you are a God that doesn't just give us commands or ideals, uh, Father, but you give them to us personally, and you show, them, you show us how those things are lived out in your Son. So, Father, would you speak to us this morning in wonderful ways? Would you challenge us where we need to be challenged? Would you give us hope where we need hope? And, Father, at the end of the day, would you show us how the story of Christ is something worth marveling? Father, would our wonder of you and would your beauty shine true? We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text for this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. I grew up in a Methodist church, and granted, I don't remember many of the sermons, but I don't remember the, ever focusing in on the genealogy, but that's what we've been doing here at the barn over the last few weeks. And to us, it could just sound like a series of names, but to a listener that's familiar with the scripture, and especially one in the first century, they would have heard the story of God's pursuit of his people that culminates in the incarnation, in the word becoming flesh. Matthew starts it with perhaps the worst spoiler ever in a book. Jesus Christ. Not his name, but a title. The one who comes to save and rescue his people. Because that's who God is and what God does. And then he says he's the son of Abraham. So we're learning that Jesus is going to fulfill all of the covenants that God made, that not only would Abraham be blessed, but he would offer a blessing to the world through his relationship with God. And so in hearing the list of all those families, we're remembering something indirectly that's so important, which is that God keeps his promises. And the family that he called flourished and they flourished when their worship was clear, that it was not just something that they did one day a week together, but something that guided them, something they trusted and were grateful for that affected how they treated one another. There are a lot of outsiders in the genealogy of Jesus, a lot of people of questionable family lineage because it reminds us that God always welcomes in the outsider. And we're reminded indirectly through a number of bad kings in the genealogy that only when our, only when our worship of God is at the center of our life can we resist the world, which is by nature violent and exploitative and oppressive. God calls a family and he allows them to flourish and even and in their flourishing they have a king and they asked for a king like the other nations but their king was not like the other nations because their king was never worshipped because only God is worthy of worship and so their best kings re-centered God 
and then the people flounder, which is a big pattern of scripture and a small pattern of scripture and is quite a bit like our own lives. God creates a world, calls it good, and then we violate his holiness and he comes and rescues us and calls us back to himself. And the people of God in their floundering become the outsider. And as Nathan talked about last week, even as the outsider, people of God can continue to bless because they know the Lord. And the gift they have received the gift of him which they then offer. And it continues to be true, though it is not the sweetest truth, but suffering often brings into relief who we are and whose we are. God calls the family, they flourish for a bit, and then they flounder until the word became flesh. And we remember again, through the incarnation of Jesus, that God keeps his promises, and he never forgets his people. And how do we respond? In trust. We trust him to save us. We trust him to guide us. We trust him in the challenging moments of the holidays through grown prayers and through spoken prayers for perhaps those who are not speaking with us or we're not speaking with them, whether that's a new thing or an old thing. And we're grateful for these things that he offers us in his son, love, which in the world is something that we offer to get, which means it is not love. But in Christ, it is something we offer because of what he has given us. Peace. Not a peace that is fleeting, but one that is everlasting because of the one who gives it. Joy, not because of our circumstances. I have, as I've shared before, I have the highest number in my already broken family of individuals who are not talking with other individuals in the family. Highest number I've ever seen, 46. Might get worse next year, and I can tell you again. And yet I still have received joy because of Christ. It doesn't make those situations sweeter, but I can remain confident in God and his plan. And that is a kind of joy that the world doesn't understand, but followers of Christ do. And hope. And our hope is not elusive. When we hear about hope, oftentimes in culture and out in the world, it's a future vague expectation. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is confident in who God is, what he has done, and what he will do. Those are the things that we have received because of God's rescuing love and therefore can offer to friends and family in limited but beautiful ways. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you for your patient and fatherly care. Jesus, we thank you for your work becoming vulnerable in this world that we might never honestly think you do not know what it's like to be in this world and to suffer in this world. Holy Spirit, we believe and trust in your peace and ask that you give us a sense of it 
this season. Bless our minds and our emotions as we continue to worship you through your sacrament and as we continue to sing and interact with one another. Amen.